When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Today, we're going to dive into some Auburn football because there's been uh, rumblings, rumors, rumbling, bubbling, stumbling things going on there with the Auburn football program with Coach Brian Harson. Reports swirling around. Is he going to be there by the end of this podcast? Will he be there next week? Will he be there tomorrow? Who knows? Swirling of... Reports that they're meeting athletic directors, chancellor, school board about should they get rid of Brian Harson after one year, after their one tough year. We'll dive into some rumors, reports. And so I've talked about this before, but the big question mark is, should they have kept Gus Malzahn with all the money they're paying him to leave? What he accomplished at UCF in his very first year and the recruiting class and everything else. We're going to dive into that today on the Coach Steve Show podcast. Before we dive into all of that, make sure you hit the like button and the subscribe button on the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel. Um, and then follow the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and then please rate it, review it, be a friend, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Uh, please and thank you. It helps the algorithm that I just, you know, just don't understand, but it helps all of that. Um, you could find the podcast also on Colorcast. It's a uh, app only on Apple. I believe it'll get to Android sooner rather than later. Um, it's a commentary sports app where you can, you know, uh, commentate games. You could have live podcasts like I'm doing now. We're currently live on YouTube. We're live on the Facebook page. The video is up on Twitter, live on Colorcast. So join us. Uh, leave a comment in the comment section down below and all that good stuff. The podcast is also brought to you by Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. If you go to bellyupsports.com and check out all the podcasts and blogs on there, uh, lots of good stuff for everybody. There's other things other than sports on there as well, so go check out all of that. Um, the podcast is also brought to you by Coach Stone Football and his Back to the Basics books and drills. If you go to coachstonefootball.com uh, and check out his Back to the Basics series, there's stuff on there for everybody for, with all you 
coaches were in our offseason, but we're going to start getting ready. Some are getting ready for spring ball. Some are going to get ready for the summer and everything else. And if you're like me, we're looking to get simple and get back to the basics. So if you go to CoachStoneFootball.com and check out everything there, uh, you'll get books on everything from offense, defense. His very first book was over 500 pages of drills. So something out there for everybody. Please go check that out. Thank you, Coach Stone, for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, like I said, we're live on ColorCast. We're live on YouTube. Uh, so if anybody watches, you know, just just be a part of it on ColorCast. Be a part of it. Um, you know, fun times, fun times. Uh, so we've talked about this before. I've had an episode. It's been a while. When you do podcasts, like, you know, I'm up to 200 and some, you know, Almost oh, getting close to 280, which is ridiculous. That's a lot of episodes. Kind of like another podcaster out there, you know, that's kind of been the news. You kind of forget some of the stuff you say. And so you have to go back and try to fix, you know, talk about whatever. You know, that's a whole another thing for another time. But I've talked about this before. So I am not fully 100% educated on what is necessarily going on in this Auburn football program. Because, as we've seen, reports from media outlets have been kind of incorrect or they push things, you know, the whole Tom Brady fiasco of him being going to be retired. Well, he ended up being retired, so the report was right, but I think it should have been done on his own terms. Adam Schefter is normally right on these things, but you've seen things like that. We saw reports of, you know, certain people getting hired like a Jim Harbaugh to the Vikings, it gets pushed that it's going to happen. Well, then it doesn't happen. And people can be wrong. People can get wrong information. Something could, you know, it's it's said that way, and then it ends up being something completely different. So things change. But not just in sports. We're seeing this in normal news networks. We're seeing this everywhere where it's more important to get facts pushed, or not, excuse me, a story pushed out as quickly as possible and not be correct. Same thing with these podcasts. Like when we see a topic, like, you know, if I see one, you try to get on and talk about it because it's conversational, whether it, you know, you're not necessarily that it's going to happen, but it's conversation, especially if you have a podcast or something where there's two people. Me, I just come on here and ramble. I get to talk to some coaches here and there. I talk to people sometimes, but this is not like other podcasts, like, you know, that we see in the news that they talk about. It's not quite like that. So these reports you have to take with a grain of salt because I remember, and then it's more clickbaity where they have titles and, you know, for example, oh, so-and-so was talking about this. You have to click on it to see what it is. So now that place, oh my gosh, they had a thousand clicks today. Well, then I'd, I'd rather see how long they were on there. They could click on it. I'm down there for five seconds. I'm down there for five minutes. So we got to be careful on some of these headlines. So I have seen, like we've all seen, where people are meeting about Brian Harson, about him leaving, about getting rid of him. So you immediately have your curiosity, like the rest of us, perk up. Why? Why is it talked about that he's going to be gone? What did he do? Okay. Now he had a rough first year. It was up and down. They ended up being six and seven. And according to some Auburn fans, you know, that's that's on grounds for like what the hell's going on get rid of because there are some people out there that think Auburn is an Alabama, you know, a Clemson for the past couple of years. They think it's, you know, this high, high prestige thing, which, yes, are they good at football? Yes. Do they have a history of football? Yes. Are they good at basketball this year? Yes. But Auburn, to me, has always not been associated with powerhouses. Now, of course, Alabama's had downtime. So in my lifetime, besides when they won now they won the national title with Cam Newton, yeah, you're talking about, ooh, they're, they're pretty good. And then throughout the years, they've beat Alabama a couple times. So, yeah, they're there. They're in a tough conference. But I never have thought about Auburn being – Nick Saban type of Alabama, a Dabo Sweeney type of Clemson, even Oklahoma's back in the day, even though they're now Auburn's in the SEC. They've had good football players throughout time, and this is not me destroying them because I already know what's going to happen. Well, Steve, you're an Illinois fan. What do you know? Blah, blah. Well, I watch college football, and I watch what people say about Auburn, and yes, we all strive to be 
winners and coaching. We want our teams to be winners. Okay, so when we talk about Auburn football, do we talk about winning? Is it just a average program? Is it a program that you know can win some games, but it's just not always been consistent? Do they sneak away once in a while? You know, we can go all the way back, all the way back. So if we go back, we'll talk about one of their longest tenured guys in Tommy Tuberville, and he got there in 1999. Okay, five and six, nine and four, seven and five, nine and four, eight and five. Uh, then, um, then they went thirteen and zero. Later on, won a big time bowl game, so he he got a turn around there. And ends up going thirteen and zero, pretty good, pretty good. Then they go nine and three, eleven and two. Then they go nine and four, and then they go five and seven. And if I remember correctly, um, he was like, go. Which it could be argued because, you know, you go 11 and two, nine and four, five and seven. And I've said many times, you've got to see a progression. You know, I've talked about with the Bears, even with like Illinois football, you got to start at some points in a progression. So, like next year, if we start to continue to move up, you know, we're going to be pretty, it's good. That's a good thing. So he's like, go. Oh, he's done good things there since, from 1999 to 2008. Did pretty good. Okay. Then Gene Chizik shows up, uh, goes 8-5. and five, Then they go 14-0, win the national title. Now, when they won the title, that's kind of where I believe the turning point came and they wanted to put Auburn up on this big-time hill. But ever since that national title, right after that national title, uh, they go eight and five. You know, Cam Newton's gone. Okay, they go eight and five. They won the Chick Fil A Bowl. Then Gene Chizik goes three and nine, and I believe he was fired. So it's kind of like the Ed Odron effect, where you win a title, and if you don't do something in a year or two, you're gone, which I don't agree with. Then what we're going to talk about? Then Gus shows up to Auburn. Very first year gets the BCS title game and loses. They go twelve and two. Then they go eight and five, seven and six, eight and five, ten and four, eight and five. Nine and four, six and five, which ultimately led to him being like, go. Uh, well, he was six and four, but the team went six and five. But we're talking about the team, then we'll get to Gus. Then they went six and five. Well, then, you know, they got rid of him because, well, we're just kind of stagnant. You know, we're, 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 we're not winning all these games. We're not winning the title. Okay, but you got to realize you're going up against. You're going up against decent LSU teams at the time. Then you have now Texas A&M coming in. You have Alabama. Uh, Florida's around at that time. Like, so you have these good, decent teams. So you got to look at that. Then you got to look at it from, well, you're the stepchild in the state. And I'm sorry about that. You are not Alabama. Okay. You are second team in that state to Alabama. And that's what happens. No matter who takes that job, unless it, unless Nick Saban goes there, you're not going to get the Alabama type of recruits that Nick Saban or the type of players Alabama gets. It's just not going to happen because you can't tell me a kid that gets offered by Alabama and Auburn unless they just really, really, really want to go to Auburn and they feel like they're going to play quicker, they'll go. But if they get both, they're going to go to Alabama. And I'm sorry, that's just what happens because Nick Saban's got that thing rolling. So... You've got a lot of Auburn people that treat Auburn like they're Alabama sometimes. Kind of like some Michigan fans that still think that, I mean, it is a great college football job. Michigan's top tier, but they haven't been what they were. And, you know, they haven't won a championship since 1997. They've been good here and there. But they treat Auburn like an Ohio State type. They treat it like all of that because... They win the BCS national title in 2010. Okay. I don't know when the last time. That might have been their first championship. Have they not won a championship? Okay. It's been a long time. So they put them out, you know, Auburn on this this pedestal type of thing. Which, okay, your, your fans, you want to put it up there. You're not going to sell for mediocrity. You know, us Illinois fans want, to, want Illinois to be very good, but we also are understanding. So I know we would kill for a record like that. I understand it, okay? But we also have to be realistic in that you're not Alabama. Now, are you a really good football team? Have had good football players? Absolutely. Have you been a good football team? Yes. Record speaks for itself. Those are pretty good. Those aren't, 
the staggering, like, you know, going 10 and 0 or 12 and 0, 11 and 0 all the time. But you, there's a lot of 11 and 2s in there. There's 10 1 seasons, there are 9 1 seasons. To me, that's a success. But people at Auburn, some think that when they win nine games, like, oh, when you take this job, you are expected to come in and win 11 games. Well, what are you talking about? Look at the schedule you have. The recruiting hasn't quite been there. Like I said, you're going to lose recruits to Alabama. You're going to start losing recruits to other SEC schools as more of these big-time coaches. I guarantee Lane Kiffin will take them. I guarantee Mike Leach is going to start taking some. So you got coaches coming into the SEC, so it's going to be tough on Auburn, especially when you're the second team. Let's say you got Georgia taking guys. Kirby Smart's going to take them. Again, though, I'm just putting that out there that it's okay to win nine games, ten games, eleven games. Okay, people looked at this six and seven year with Brian Harson as a complete failure at Auburn. I heard it. Some podcasters or reporters that I, you know, will listen to or read, some have respect for. It was a failure. First year, you're not dealing with your recruits. Some had left because of this transfer portal, the schedule. Now, it was just an inconsistency. Like, you know, John, I think it was how they lost games. Like, they gave, they were winning, I believe, like, what, 23 gets Mississippi State, and then they don't score for a long time, and Mississippi State comes back and wins. Uh, you're close to Penn State and you lose to Penn State. So I think it's the way Brian Harson was losing. But again, sometimes you kind of get a pass on your first year, you know, six and seven. Sometimes you get a little bit of a pass because you're dealing with guys you didn't recruit, new coaching staff trying to gel. So, but a lot of people thought this Auburn year was a complete, utter failure with him. Now, we've talked, I've talked about it before, so that's why I'm going to, it's almost a repeat podcast here. It's almost a repeat thing because I said this. After the six and seven year, then we look at the guy that they are paying, I believe, $21 million to leave. We are all in the wrong business. I immediately should have went to college coaching and prayed and worked hard and became good because to get paid $21 million to, like, Gus could have went to UCF and said, hey, pay me $5 to be the head coach for a year. And he still would not have a problem with his mortgage, his car, kids' education, anything else, because he is still getting $21 million from Auburn. That is insane. Same thing with Ed. He's getting paid like, what was it, $18 million? Or I might have this flip-flop. But they're getting paid outrageous amounts of money to not coach there. Ed doesn't have to coach for a couple years, and he's getting like Ed never has to sit there and coach again because he's getting eighteen million dollars. Now I know they like to say it's not about the money, but if it wasn't about the money, they wouldn't take the payout. So they're paying twenty-one million dollars. So then we look at Gus. Gus then takes the job at UCF. Good football school. Good football school. Now it's not the SEC, but he had to deal with a lot of injuries this year. Okay. New place, having to learn his system, okay? Even though their system, similar-ish to what's been there the past couple years, you know, they will run some zone. They run a lot of gap scheme. You'll see some buck sweeps, but a lot of RPO stuff. Gus wants to do that, okay? Gus is trying to be reborn here at UCF. Whether he wants to get back to a big-time SEC, you know, whatever. He kind of wants to build it up into a powerhouse, I think, especially because they're joining the Big 12, so maybe in Gus's mind, like, yeah, maybe one day I'll go back to the SEC. But about UCF, which is a good football school, we're heading to the Big 12. We're going to be in a Power 5 conference, you know, technically. So he wants to build it up. He went 9-4 and four and won a bowl game. So I know, again, it's not the SEC schedule, and that's what's going to come back to where, well, he did better. And remember, who did they beat in the bowl game? Florida. They beat Florida. Now, Florida was in turmoil. Florida was flipped upside down. But they still beat Florida. You're UCF. That shouldn't happen. You shouldn't beat them. So, to me, Gus had a better year this year as a head coach. And now the excuses are they're both going to new schools. Okay, you're both dealing with recruits that you didn't have before. Okay, but one had an SEC schedule, so I already know it's going to come back and say, "Oh, look at the schedules and all that stuff." Fine, 
but you look at the competition they're playing. It's Auburn. You, you're telling me that they're up here, and no matter what, they need to win, and they need to do this, and some are about it. Some are not. Now, am I saying Brian Harson's a bad coach? No. Things happen. Bo Nix got hurt later on. The offensive line wasn't producing, and this and that. So there are things, like I said, it's the first year, so we shouldn't say it's an absolute failure. There are reasons to what happened. Now, as a coach, you got to figure it out. So then you have to think, okay, we went six and seven. We had all these things happen. Going into year two should be fine, right? That's what we think. Well, then, before any type of these reports came out, talked about the recruiting class. And people are complaining about the recruiting class. Some people have left the portal. They didn't sign so many players. Whether this, what I'm looking at, is right or wrong. It was 247sports.com, Auburn 2022 commits. National rank is 18. Last year they were 18. SEC rank, though, is 8, so that's not good, apparently, to them. You know, they're not getting the same caliber type of players. They're not getting all these five stars. They're losing linemen. They didn't, you know, sign enough offensive linemen, I guess. You know, I'm reading reports of fans and people that talk about them. So they're not addressing the problems that they have, which was their offensive line. What kind of playmakers do they have? You lost Bo Nix. Now he's going to Oregon. You're going to need a quarterback. So there's these reasons and everything else. So that doesn't start off well. Well, then all of a sudden, a report comes out saying that they're either going to let him go. Well, why are they going to let him go? Well, apparently, it's toxic. It's a toxic place to work, I guess. And I guess there might be some things that um, are happening off the field, but I don't really want to talk about all that because who knows whether that's true or not. You don't talk about that until... You know, it's actually proven, it's come out, and there's evidence, and I don't know everything. But apparently, you know, one reports that Auburn Tigers football, Coach Brian Harson, it well, is, you know, they're talking about getting rid of him. Well, why? Well, there you know, reports of having players come out and talk, say, you know, it's toxic work, um, talking down on him, um, you know, but then some players are coming out saying, well, these players that he is saying things to, it's called tough love. He's not doing anything wrong. Um, you know, one of it was what to know about the future. Uh, the future, uh, this was uh, for February 5th. Future of Auburn coach Brian Harson remains in flux at the school's outgoing president has indicated it's moving quickly to make the appropriate decision. Harson has come under scrutiny by the university amid the exit of 20 players and five assistant coaches, and then they put in here, because they like to put this in here, went six and seven. Five-game losing streak to end the season, and he is um, and he is out of the country on vacation as university officials determine the best course faction. So he's not even here. The looming decision is a rare case of university question. A first-year head coach's tenure by publicly declaring at the school, according to outgoing president um, Jay Gog is trying to separate fact from fiction and rumors and speculation. This move puts Auburn in an unusual predicament, even for a school that has built a reputation for unorthodox leadership and emotional decision-making when it comes to beloved the beloved football program. But then Harson had did come out. You know, he's on vacation. Um, he'd come out and said he plans on not going anywhere. Then Harson also told ESPN... He was not informed by anyone in athletics or the university administration before leaving for, a vac- leaving for vacation that his job is in jeopardy. No, nothing was said to me about any of this, Harson said. I get here to his vacation, and all these rumors out there are, and my phone is blowing up. All I can tell you is that nothing has changed with me. We're working to getting this program where we all want it to be, and that's where my focus is going to remain until I am told otherwise. If somebody out there is trying to create a narrative for their own interests, I can't control that. The decision on Harson's future is expected to come within days from the university. Not athletic leadership, sources told ESPN. So it's not the athletic director. It's going to be the school. Athletic director Alan Green hired Harson. The move was viewed as a win for the athletic department, fending off board or booster influence. That power dynamic appears to have shifted similar to what occurred with the firing of Gus in December of 2020. Decision sources said came from the outside the athletic department because remember... Kevin Steele was the defensive coordinator. And boosters and the school board were pushing for Kevin Steele to become the head coach, 
get rid of Gus, promote him, and he was working with that. So when anyone hires Kevin Steele, I have to question because he's going behind the guy's back to do this. So this sounds to me like a un... This does not sound functional. Does not sound functional at all. Auburn is always going to go through transition and leaderships and an industry source familiar with the schools and their workings. Therefore, there's no way to ever tell who is in control. Another source told ESPN that Harson grew frustrated after the season when trying to get contract numbers finalized for assistant coaches he wanted to hire, and administrative officials wouldn't give him any answers on what he could pay or the structure of the deals. Harson even requested to meet with the board of trustees to address salary pool questions. Uh, but go, the athletic director said that that wouldn't be a good idea. Harson's hands were tied, the source says. It's the head coach's job to hire assistants, and there are no answers from anyone. So, it just sounds like a, a dysfunctional mess. When they did get rid of Gus, I, if you remember, the reports had come out that his defense coordinator had worked with the school board and these boosters to say, buy him out, I will become the head coach. So when you've got and so what happens is, yes, athletic directors are in charge of athletics. They hire the head coach, then the head coach says, "Okay, I want to hire this guy." Tells athletic director, athletic director approves it, and it goes to the school board and the boosters or the board. They approve it because they trust athletic director's judgment. This sounds like they want to control athletic director and say, "Well, we want this to happen, so you do it." That sounds like a dysfunctional thing, number one. So from reading the report, it more sounds like the administration, the board, and the athletic department are the ones that are dysfunctional, not quite Brian Harson and the program from that article. So is the dysfunction coming from up top? So one, you're reading this report saying, well, Brian Harson, my God, like blah, blah, if you're talking about that. But there has also been reports from the players that they went to the board and they're going to people um, saying about Brian Harson having a toxic thing about how he talks to players. And some are saying it's tough love. Well, then what doesn't look good with Brian Harson either is the fact that you have coaches leaving. He had said they lost five. Now, on the top of my head, you have your defensive coordinator leaving. You had your offensive coordinator leave. Then you hire an offensive coordinator, I believe, in November, December. And then within a month, resigns him for personal reasons. So now you have to go fire, find another offensive coordinator. You're going to hire three offensive coordinators in your first year and some months of his being the head coach. So again, for one report, sounds like it's from the top that's dysfunctional. But you also got players... Um, Going and complaining about how um, he is coaching. So I guess the question is, you know, this toxic thing. What did he necessarily say to a player? And then it becomes he said, she said. And a lot of things, whether it's true or not, when you win, things get covered up. You don't hear anything about this from Dabo. You don't hear anything about this from Nick Saban. Now, you started to hear about it with Ed Ogeron because they started losing... But again, it's reports of whether it was right, wrong, but at the same time where players necessarily weren't going and complaining. So if players are actually going to complain, it's one of two things. One, it actually happened. But if it actually happened, then why are other players coming out saying this did not happen? This is actually what happened. The coach is doing tough love. So now you're like, well, wait a minute. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's lying? Who's not lying? Then another reason why these players are going up is because maybe they're not playing much. So then it starts to become coaching. We have to adapt how we coach because coaching the kids are not the same like it was when we all played. I like to think my generation, maybe a generation you know after me, could handle hard coaching. But nowadays it's different. Some kids can handle the old school ways of coaching. Some cannot. So is he letting pressures from the outside start to affect him? And maybe he is coaching outside of what he normally does and it looks bad. Is the pressure of being at Auburn and this recruiting class getting to him? Is this true? Or are these players just not happy with him 
And so they're like, well, let's get them gone. Let's be soft-minded. Let's get, you know, go and complain to somebody instead of talking to the coach to figure it out. Because I'm telling you right now, I've told players this from coaching. 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, but I always gave them the 99%. If there's a problem, me and you can figure it out. Me and the assistant coach and you can figure it out. We don't need to bring parents in. We don't need to bring administrative in. We can figure it out. Playing time, how it's going, you know, what can we work on, all that stuff can be figured out. So these players complaining, whether it's true or not, but this does not look good because it's hard to sit there and say, why are they doing this? Because going back to it, did we ever see this happen with Gus at Auburn? No. Gus won games. Gus beat Alabama three times. He was a thorn in Nick Saban's backside. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, hey, can I carry those for you? Wow, thanks. Hey, I saw that. You helped the guy in the wheelchair take his groceries to the car, always showing your good side. Know how else you could help him? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicines. By donating at Griffles Plasma, you make it possible for patients to live their best lives. And that feels really good. Hey, thanks again. No problem. Become a Griffles Plasma donor, and you can receive up to $800 this month. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. And we'll get to why probably they should have kept him. So this does not look good. So now their Auburn just looks like a mess. It looked okay because of their basketball team's doing good. Pearl's coming in. They're giving him the money. They're giving him the money. But now you got this Brian Harson thing. And after one year. So now it's talking about getting rid of him, and here are some examples. Here's things that could happen. They could fire him, and they'd have to pay him $18.3 million as a buyout. So you're going to pay Gus $21 million to leave, or $16 million, whatever it was. Now you're about to pay, if you fire him, to pay him $18.3 million? If this happened, that would mean the school has committed to nearly $40 million in head coach buyout money alone over the past 14 months. They'd have to pay him $9.15 million in 30 days and then four more quarterly payments starting July 15th, according to his contract. They could all. Here's a second option in this report. Attempt to fire Harson for cause would almost assuredly he met with a legal counter. So they could try to fire him and say they fired him for cause, but what, what's the cause? And he would turn around and sue them. And you're going to spend all that money. Bring Harson back. Every minute that ticks by, it seems less feasible. With the ongoing president declaring that a decision needs to be made, the school went a long way towards blocking any path to a return. Can recruits commit to a coach who might be heading into 2022 on the firing block? It'd be a long and awkward dance attempting to pretend that the last 14 hour, 48 hours did not happen. And then it talks about how did things get bad so quickly. Because this isn't Boise, Idaho anymore. This isn't it anymore, okay? Harson hired two longtime SEC coaches, former Vanderbilt coach Derek Mason and former Georgia and South Carolina assistant Mike Bobo as his defense and offensive coordinators, respectively. He fired Bobo after one season, and Mason left for Oklahoma State. Okay. It's hard to believe that just over two months ago, the Tigers were a play away from upsetting number three Alabama uh, given the importance of the school place and the rivalry, might have earned Harson's contract extension, but a 24-22 loss of four overtimes to the Crimson Tide uh, was the fourth of his five straight defeats to finish the season. The validity of Harrison's coaching staff, Harson's coaching staff, he has had five coordinators in just 14 months on the job, and the recent mass exodus of players have raised concerns about the foundation of his program. People familiar with the situation say Harson has alienated assistant coaches, players, and others inside the athletic departments, 
His critics say he didn't do enough to build relationships with key boosters and donors and didn't seem to embrace Auburn's traditions. In May, he skipped 1985 Heisman Trophy winner Bo Jackson's charity golf tournament, leaving two assistant coaches to speak in his absence, which peeved several big donors. He doesn't place real value in the history and tradition of Auburn, a source told ESPN. If you're a new coach, especially an outsider, you'd think you embrace those things. Some of the players who have criticized Harson on social media said he didn't do enough to develop relationships with them. Others have defended him. Former linebacker Chandler Wooten, the team's second leading tackler last season, wrote on Twitter, we didn't need a best friend, we needed a coach. That's what we had. Harson told ESPN earlier this week that any suggestions that he had poor relationships with the players or mistreated his players was drummed up by those on the outside trying to hurt the program. The people spreading that kind of thing aren't at Auburn and are trying to use it against us. There are always different reasons when players leave. Some players needed to leave because they were complete distractions. But players such as former safety Smoke Monday said Harson hadn't done enough to get to know him and his family. In an Instagram live session on Friday, Monday said, He's good. He wants to win. But you also need a coach that can understand where you come from. I came from nothing. He hasn't had one single conversation with my mother or my father. As a coach, how do you explain that? Former Tiger receiver uh, Kobe Hudson, who transferred to UCF to play for Malzahn, commented on the same Instagram Live event. He's a dictator, bro. That is a dictatorship. Harson's critics said that along with failing to win over the entire locker room, he doesn't have a good plan for recruiting and he didn't immerse himself in it this past year, nor did he spend much time in high schools in Alabama and neighboring states. This past week, he skipped an event hosted by George Athletic Coaches Association in Macon, where state championship-winning high school coaches were honored. Georgia's Kirby Smarts, Tennessee's Josh Heupel, Florida State's Mike Norvell, and South Carolina's Shane Beamer were among the head coaches who attended. It's not a good look to the high school coaches, a Georgia high school coach said. Auburn isn't but two and a half hours away. Auburn's recruiting class was ranked number 18, um, according to ESPN, but seven SEC teams were ranked ahead of them, including number one, Texas A&M, two, Alabama, three, Georgia. He doesn't work in recruiting. A longtime SEC assistant said he thinks he's going to outcoach people. That's not going to happen in the SEC. Those other guys can coach and recruit. So we have all these problems, and we talked about other reasons why. So if these reports are true, we're having a Dan Mullen situation because Dan Mullen came out of Florida and said recruiting season, this this is in season, you know, recruiting season happens after. No, you recruit all the time. And I don't know if Brian Harson's like, well, this is Boise, Idaho, you you know, because he was head coach of Boise and did pretty well, did pretty well. Um, While he was at Boise, he won a lot of games. Um, he coached there from 2014 to 2020, where he had a 64 and 17 record while he was there. That's a pretty good record, but this is the SEC. Now, again, we talked about Auburn and it being high stakes, but at the same time, it is an SEC school. You have to recruit. And then if you're getting, and then if people are getting mad, because another thing you have to do as a head coach, and that's why you see some people go to the NFL. That's why Jim Harbaugh probably talked about going to the NFL is you do have to talk to boosters. Sometimes you don't necessarily have to kiss their ass, but you have to talk to them. So if there's fundraisers, if there's something going on, you as the head coach should probably go unless something really is outside of your control. And take it from me, being an Illinois fan, getting Lovey Smith to us was a slam dunk or a big splash sexy hire because it's a guy that can get guys to the NFL. It's a guy that coached in the Super Bowl. It's a guy that you think could recruit and I'm not saying Illinois necessarily produces these big-time athletes like a Texas, Georgia, Florida. But a lot of Illinois players are here that are good at that leave. And one knock on Lovey Smith was he didn't come into the high schools. So I can sympathize with some of this Auburn stuff when you see reports of, well, he's not going to the high schools in the state. You have to battle with Alabama to try to lock down the state, but guess what? Somebody does not run from that. You run to it and try to... Try to uh, win the state. Yeah, it's tough, but you that's what you have to do. So if these reports are true, hmm, that's not a good look. And it's not a good look when you fire your offense coordinator after year one. So maybe you guys didn't get an agreement. If you think you're not going to out-coach people, you're wrong. Coach, players win games and coaches can lose them. 
So you better got to recruit. Now the player relationship thing, that one's a little um, in a gray area where we're not there. We don't know. Is it because these players aren't playing? Um, are, you know, are these the guys that don't start? Are these the guys that, you know, just felt like they need to stay at Auburn and not follow Gus? Okay. So you never heard about this stuff with Gus Malzahn. Really, I don't really remember reports of this. Where Gus's downfall came, I guess you want to talk about sort of his downfall that led to this was you get to the national championship game your first year and you don't get back. Now, it's tough to get there, but it's kind of like my Chicago Bears in the 2018 season when you win. If you do that right off the bat, then the pressure is on, baby. It's on. And then the other thing with Gus is, as the years went on, he tried to hire offensive coordinators so he could be the CEO. But the problem is, Gus is a play caller at heart. So there were times where he get a guy and say, okay, you're going to call plays. Then about halfway through the year, yeah, I'm going to do it. And that just does not bold well. Then they try to adapt the offense because if they weren't necessarily winning the SEC, you know, getting to where they needed to be, he tried to make tweaks to say we can do this to combat this team and kind of got away from what they really were doing, especially when he first got there, the buck sweeps, the powers, the counters, quarterback runs, quick screens, uh, quick passes, all that good stuff. He tried to get into, you know, different offenses as it went on. And you saw, the, especially the last year he was there, a year and a half, they started to go four wide when he uh, brought in a new offensive coordinator. And they went five, four wide and they started to ch- try to chuck it all over the place. And then sometimes they bring it in tight and they kind of got away from what Gus is known for and what he can do. And I'm not saying you have to keep the same offense every single year. You can keep your identity. Um, and another thing that kind of hurt Gus to some people was the recruitment of a quarterback. You know, it's supposed to be this this offensive guy, uh, this quarterback guy, and it was just the recruiting of that. So some things had led to that. But I also don't remember uh, this type of stuff happening. I don't remember players coming out saying that Gus doesn't build a relationship. I don't remember hearing, you know, this and that. What I do remember from Gus is he did win games, lost some he shouldn't have. I do remember him being Alabama three times. I do remember him putting up good offensive numbers. Uh, until he tried to overcoach and, you know, he should have just either let someone else call the, you know, the offense or he should have just took it and never gave it up because that's what he does. That's what he can do. That is what he can do as a coach. He's a pretty good coach. I mean, at 10 years of being a head coach, he's 128 and 86. You know, again, if we want to look at the Auburn numbers, 12 and 2, 8 and 5, 7 and 6, 8 and 5, 10 and 4, 8 and 5, 9 and 4. Then he goes 6 and 4. But they paid him, you know, $20 million to leave. But then he goes to UCF, and I, whether it's true or not, you know, they they post how this is like the ranked best recruiting class they've ever had, apparently, at UCF. Um, according to reports of the UCF, they were ranked 52 overall. But in their conference, they were ranked third, which is pretty good. And last year, they were ranked 58 nationally. Ranked, so he got them up to 52. So apparently, it was their best recruiting class ever. So he came in and won, apparently recruited well. People talked great about him. He didn't have coaches just leave. It's one, but and go to these coaches. So it just sounds to me like the entire Auburn thing is a, a complete disaster. But if these reports are true, whether it's Brian Harson saying it's the outside people, but like then you have to, have to think about if it's outside talking about it, why are they talking about it? Did things similar to this happen and they're just stretching the truth a little bit? Um, things similar to this were happening. Did this actually happen because you're not building these relationships because you're used to coaching at a smaller school when you had success or maybe you didn't have to recruit as hard because surrounding high schools in that state can only go to probably Boise and Boise because they were established winning Oh, I want to go there. And it's a quote-unquote easier conference. And like I said, the guy can coach. I remember watching him coach some games, especially against Washington State. They do good things. They do good things. So when you fire a coach after year one, what was the issue? Then you've got defensive guys leaving. Then you hire an offensive coordinator, and then he leaves within a month. That's Now, that's not a good look on him. Not a good look on him. Unless they leave for a better job. 
But when you've got your defensive coordinator leaving for Oklahoma State, is that a better job? Maybe, because they're in the Big 12. But realistically, if Auburn, if you're supposed to be way up here, guys don't leave to go to Oklahoma State. They stay. Unless they're leaving to take a Division I job or a coordinator spot. People that leave Nick Saban take a bigger role somewhere. So if they're a wide receivers coach and someone comes along and says, hey, I want you to be the pass game coordinator, the offensive coordinator, they're going to go take it. If you're an offensive coordinator for Nick Saban and someone offers you the head football coaching job, you go take it. That's what they do. But Auburn, if you're supposed to be this up here, way up here like you talk about, this this doesn't happen where they you have a defensive coordinator leave and go to Oklahoma State. So something is not going right in that program. So should they – you know, I've talked more about Brian Harson and Gus – should they have kept Gus? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they should have because of what's happened. At the time, I'm like, okay, Gus needs to hit the reset button, get UCF to win, you know, fine. But when you look at what's going on here, this never happened under his watch. Where Gus screwed up was the offensive coordinator hirings, him taking it back over, and all that stuff. So, Auburn is in a pickle. They have a good basketball team. They're giving Bruce Pearl anything he wants at all. And they are in a terrible spot football-wise if this is going on because now they're on the verge of paying him $18.3 million to leave. And and then if you get rid of him, what head football coach is going to – who are they going to hire? Are they just going to promote somebody? Is there a coach out there? Because right now, signing day just came and gone. You're heading into spring ball. Is there going to be a guy out there to take the job? Is there going to be a safe hire? Because here's the problem. If this stuff is actually going on in the program, do you trust, as a fan, do you trust them to hire well? If this all comes out and there's proof and this is all true, you know, he doesn't talk to the players very good or, like, treat them well. He's not building relationships, which is all part of coaching, then he's in the wrong business. I have a hard time believing he doesn't build relationships coaching so some of this I have to take with a grain of salt, but it's not a good look if you've got, you know, high school coaches saying how he's not there, kind of like what happened with Lovey Smith at Illinois. You never heard that about Gus. Gus was trying to out-recruit there. Um, he didn't get the quarterbacks, though, but he was trying. Um, I think, he, Gus, you know, Gus should have stayed because he beats Alabama. He beats these teams. Brian Harson didn't do it in year one. Now, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because it was his first year. You're dealing with kids that you didn't recruit. You're dealing with a new program. You're trying to build this thing up and build, you know, when they got rid of Gus, you know, his wall had been built. So now Brian Harson for him is trying to build that foundation, lay that foundation. Then the next year you're trying to build the walls. Then your next year you're trying to put in doors and windows. And then if you're staying around and you're doing well, you start to add levels. And so I gave him the benefit of the doubt, saying they had a decently tough schedule. He's... They had some injuries, but Nick's got hurt later on. So these things just happen. They just happen. And so I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But these type of reports did not happen under Gus's watch. His worst year was the last year. The guy won. He beat teams, competed in games. Anyway, I mean, very rarely, I mean, they probably did a few times to get blown out. So, to me, they should have kept Gus because this type of thing should never happen. It doesn't happen. This type of stuff was never reported with Gus. Brian Harson has screwed up somewhere, but then it just sounds like it's an overall cluster. So, maybe Gus dodged a bullet. But if they've got the school board, they're trying to tell the athletic director what to do and all that, this is a disaster. Auburn football, you think you're up here. You are now down here because of the mess because if these reports are true about, you know, the school board telling the athletic director what to do, that's that's not good. They're trying to control the athletic department. That's not good. The only thing that can save Brian Harson is if it's true that he tried to pay these assistant coaches and that's why they left. But it's not a good look either when you go through four of them. Not a good look. Because of where they're going or why. You fire one after year one. You got one going to Oklahoma State. One saying personal reasons, which is probably true, but that's it's a little fishy. So Auburn, you are in a, I'm praying for you next year. You are not in a good spot right now for next year. 
And I think college football is good when you're good, when you're competing, because it was fun to watch Gus's teams do that. UCF will be on the rise, and with this debacle, because if you get rid of them and you're paying all that money, what kind of money are you going to have left to pay assistant coaches? What kind of guy are you going to get to run the program? What kind of guy is going to want to go there? Because remember, not every head football coaching opening is the, is the one for you. So a guy out there in college football wants a head job. But after reading this and seeing this, do you think a guy that's an offensive coordinator right now or a defensive coordinator somewhere, if they're having a decent team and they and Auburn comes calling, normally you'd be like, all right, I'm in. Now they're going to call and you're going to be like, um, let me talk. Let me get back to you. I have a good thing going as an offensive defensive coordinator. Do I want to go deal with that mess? Do I want people going behind my back and doing all that stuff? That's the problem where Auburn football is right now. And I feel bad for them because college football is good when they're good. When they're good, the SEC is good, and good things happen. So in all in all, they should have kept Gus. You know, be careful what you wish for. The grass ain't always green on the other side. And sometimes what you have is a good thing. Don't give it up just because you think something else is better out there. All right. That wraps up another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Remember, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out all the other episodes. Check out all the affiliates in the description below. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, follow it, rate it, be a friend, tell a friend, leave a review, all that good stuff. Um, get it, trying to get some high, some football coaches back on to talk. Uh, I'm going to have to sit down and relook at this podcast and see what to change, what to do. Um, so ch- changes might be coming. We'll see. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, go do all that stuff for me. This has been another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. And like Brian Harson, we are flying out of here. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.